Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Al Goldberg is sort of a check-in with the guy that runs Mess Hall. Al has been on this show multiple times. Uh, he's been on other shows that I've hosted. Um, he's one of my favorite food people in Washington, D.C. He's not a chef, per se. Not per se, he's not a chef. But what he does facilitates... Um, facil- yeah, that's literally what he does. It allows people to follow their culinary uh, dreams. So uh, chat with Al is coming up. Uh, Mess Hall has had to change drastically over the last six months due to the coronavirus. And unfortunately, so have we. And that's why we have a Patreon account now. Uh, please go to youmethemeverybody.com. It's in every podcast description, the link to our Patreon. It's also on our About page. If you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, please consider it. If you're not listening to this on Spotify or iTunes and, the, and you're listening to this on youmethemeverybody.com, you could already see the link. That's where it is. Uh, without further ado, here's Al. I'll start this how I start this with pretty much everyone these days. Uh, how are you holding up in our time of coronavirus? Um, I mean, I think pretty well, all things considered. Um, you know, being part of the you know food and hospitality industry in D.C. is uh, just really, really scary time, not just for ourselves, but um, just you know, being just friends and loved ones who are in the industry, mm-hmm. um, who are really suffering from a business standpoint a lot more than, um, than mess hall is. Um, so I, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't complain from that standpoint. Um, but, uh, you know, from a health standpoint, knock on wood, the family, um, the immediate family is, is healthy. And, uh, you know, we've you know some people who've, um, fallen ill to COVID, but, um, um, you know, in general, I think that things are as good as they can be. Right What's now. been more difficult dealing with coronavirus and mess hall or homeschooling? <laughs> Fair question. I think they both have their own, um, their own challenges. So now we are in the beginning of week three mm-hmm. of, uh, homeschooling, um, my daughter is uh, 12 going on 13 and um, she's very independent. Um, and then my son who's nine um, naturally needs a lot more attention. So that if you, you know, looking at it uh, right now, I would say, I would say perhaps the homeschooling, but, uh, but then again, three weeks into um, COVID we were pretty much in panic mode at mess hall too. So uh Tough, tough pill to swallow on both sides. Things appear, at least from the outset, appear to be somewhat stable at Mess Hall. Yeah, is um, that true, I mean, or is that just a is that a lie? <laughs> well, no, it's um, you know we run so Mess Hall is a is a, is a unique concept in that we rely on um, revenues both from um, our shared kitchen component, which which is a membership model, not unlike a gym membership, and we're we're home to about fifty different businesses that, uh, that rely on us, um, to be able to come and go as they please. And then we do the events. And so we've lo- we've, you know, had to shutter all of our events. We do private events. Um, you know, October would have been filled with weddings. Those have all been postponed, um, indefinitely. And all of our other events that we ourselves promote and sell tickets to have all ceased as well. Um, so, you know, since we've been, since we're essential, um, and people produce food that's sold to grocery stores or even, um, you know, through the Uber eats, 
of the world. Um, we've been, you know, we've been a resource to, uh, to food production throughout. So that's been quite busy, but, um, but you know, there's an, there's a, there's that, that trade-off with, uh, with the events. There, there have been some zoom events. Yes, we did. Um, we did one. Um, it was, it was really, I thought it went really, really well. Um, but it, there has never been so exhausting. So we did a, uh, we did an incarnation of our some disassembly required um, event, and this was a pig butchering event, and it was just the butcher and myself wearing masks, and we put two different camera angles that were stationary, and then I was sort of like the roving can. Uh, mm-hmm. I had like an iPad, and we did it all over Zoom, um, and it was super cool. But um, but um, we haven't done more since then. I think it's just. You know, I think there's there's a term out there that we're starting to hear. It's called um, it's called pivot fatigue, where people are just you know throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall mm-hmm. with their business, what sticks and what doesn't, and it's it's exhausting. Um, and I think that that's important from some standpoints and other stuff. I'd say our experimentation has been more on paper and in Excel sheets to see whether we think something might be viable before we roll up our sleeves and and delve in. You have a unique space in that you could use your loading dock area as a venue. Has there been any talk about doing a much smaller version of one of your events? We started to think about using the um, the outdoor space. We thought that we might open up an outdoor cafe um, or restaurant. Um, and we just, we haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Um, I don't know. I kind of have mixed emotions about it. Our, my family has been pretty, um, pretty conservative. We've, we've really kind of hunkered down and been in our, in our homes mm-hmm. on a, in our home on our own, um, partially for our own protection, but largely because we feel like we have a responsibility to keep others safe. And I've just decided that I don't want to do events at mess hall unless I can be super sure that, um, that they can be done safely without exposing others. Um, so I do think actually we've, we've talked through this a whole bunch of different ways and with it being open air, um, as we start to see numbers improve, I I can get comfortable with doing that. I just, um, we, we hadn't really found the right way to do it, um, early on. No, I'm with you. I mean, uh, clearly I don't run a business, but I don't feel comfortable going anywhere right now. (laughs) And I don't think that will change until there's a vaccine. And that seems like a very long sign, like a very long time. You know what I mean? I keep thinking that the makeup of all cities is going to be dramatically different in a decade because of this. But I don't know why I'm saying that. Do you do you think you would have moved to D.C. or do you think you'd be operating a business in D.C. if this happened 20 years ago? I mean, I think the cycles, I mean, 20 years might be a different question from like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was three years ago and, and well, actually, well, so we opened, of course, like almost five, about six years ago. Um, but if it, but if we were coming off of this, um, the hypotheticals are tough. Um, you know, and t- to your question about 20 years, I think, things, I think things certainly cycle mm-hmm. once or twice or even three times in a 20 year period. Um, but as far as, you know, us having this shared sensation that, that the cities will change forever. I mean, I definitely do think that there's something to that because Mm -hmm. 
of the way that people like to gather in large groups. And DC is um, no stranger to having really great experiences that have lines that span around the block. Yeah. Um, so perhaps that's part of our sensation that, you know, we share that it won't quite be the same because none of us really want to be packed in shoulder to shoulder to max max occupation, uh, ocu- uh, occupation, occu, uh, what's the, what's the word with capacity, Your, uh, max capacity. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and, um, I think we can't right now envision this, but you know, when, look, when we're, you know, in the dead of, in the dead of August, when it's so hot outside, uh, you know, if you open your coat closet and you see your winter coat there and you, you, you know, you couldn't imagine putting it back on again, you know, things, everything cycles and, um, and, and everything will come back around full circle. It always does. I understand that, but hear me out. It doesn't always, um, the, the only time that this has happened, uh, it was 1919, 1920, right? And that changed the makeup of cities. And this will change the makeup of cities. I don't know how, though. This might actually make D.C. more appealing than it used to be because uh, of, of the way buildings are here. There's not a ton of high-rises here. There's, not a, there's actually green space, and some of it's federally protected. So D.C. might be a lot more appealing than, say, I don't know, Philadelphia or Baltimore, just in terms of density. It might be a lot less appealing because if everyone's not everyone, but if 20 percent of the population is working from home, why not live 30 minutes outside of it and try to reap those benefits? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I mean, I definitely it, we, we definitely have a um, I, I would say I would argue a better population density than some of the bigger cities. It's mm-hmm. more comfortable for me. I don't know. Some people probably love being in the. Um, you know, in New York City, I think that would be a little a little crowded for me, um, even absent a pandemic. But um, yeah, I, I think I think then it becomes, you know, in speaking of the food industry, how do we connect the food to people who are just outside of the city um, within the one hour, you know, within a one hour drive? And you know, what, what does that look like from a technology standpoint? From a logistics standpoint, are we going to become more and more reliant on the Uber Eats and grub hubs and caviars of the world? Um, or um, does that mean that people are going to be setting up um, multiple locations, but smaller ones? Um, how do you connect with your, how do you connect food with the end user? Do people want to come into the city um, as much if they're not going to be able to bar hop, mm-hmm. you know, up and down 14th street corridor like oh let's go try and get into the diplomat okay well there's a wait let's go to barcelona and grab a drink okay and then where are we going to go after dinner um so i do think that that will change but um you know on the positive side i definitely think that these sort of mega changes push innovation they push innovators and people um who are entrepreneurial in spirit will find ways to make things interesting because there's always going to be buyers out there that have a need, right? Like you and me as consumers need, um, you know, food and entertainment experiences and someone will figure out how to improve upon that. Has there been any talk about you doing your own delivery service with just the places that are out of mess hall to skip the DoorDash, Uber Eats, et cetera? 
Um, logistics are really, really challenging. Um, so the short answer is no, because at the end of the day, we're really kind of competing with, you know, you're competing with Amazon, you're competing with, um, it, even if indirectly, um, and certainly directly with, with Uber and, and all those, um, people who really have deep pockets and resources. I mean, nobody doesn't have an Uber account, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or a direct competitor and it's really challenging to source users um on that side but you know who, who i do admire right now are the dc to go go um guys who are operating out of shaw and, and they are a new concept it's the same folks that had a food truck and then they opened ivy and coney which is um, kind of a cool bar mm-hmm. down in shaw um and uh and they've started and they have a couple of other enterprise a couple of other small businesses as well super entrepreneurial super clever and they're trying to um provide jobs to restaurant workers who are currently unemployed uh as delivery staff and paying a fair wage and and directly competing against the the giants for um uh and paying much less because they have a, a limited delivery circle. So then I guess my question to them is like, okay, so how do you scale it? And in speaking with them, they do have some proprietary software and um, and they're trying to expand their delivery circle. So I love what they're doing. We're mm-hmm. actually partnering with them um, to have them do it because they seem to be- That's great. Yeah. So that is sort of what I'm getting. So like a homegrown version of the big Goliath. Yeah, it's definitely more of a, a a DC, and they're you know they're super nice guys and and like super you know hashtag DC, made in DC, local everything. So um so yeah, and I sometimes look if you don't want to do it yourself, you just find a great partner who you think can do it better than yeah. you, or who wants to do it. Do, you, are you hopeful right now? Yeah, I mean everybody. I think I hope every I, and I'm hopeful that everyone that other people are hopeful. Oh, you're um, wrong. <laughs> I mean, but we're all fearful though too, right? I'm sorry, I mean, say that again? Well, I think we're all fearful as well, you know, but I think you can be both. Oh, for sure. Where is your dominant emotion these days? I think I've just been pensive. I okay. think I've just been trying to think of what's the next thing. And I've been trying to talk with as many smart people as I can um, and people who are doing different things to try and figure out, okay, well, where are the needs? What are, um, you know, where, how do we how do we fulfill these new, these new voids? Um, you know, where are the needs? I mean, certainly I've been talking with people around food and trying to think of where we could fit in and what next things that we can do. Um, I think we've done a pretty good job at mess all with what we've set out to do. We've kind of done all of that and it, and it continues to live and I couldn't be happier. But now I think as, as things have finally knock on wood stabilized, um, for us after, um, you know, just building it on my back, um, as all, as all entrepreneurs are forced to do, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm ready to set my hair on fire again and take on some new yeah. challenges in a new landscape. Um, and, um, food related you know, or do you want to, you want to get out of food? Uh, still in food, I okay. think, um, or hospitality, food or hospitality. Um, like what will hospitality be? You know, <laughs> like I keep thinking about what my job used to be and what my life used to be, and to say it's dramatically different is an understatement because there aren't events, 
there aren't jobs. There's no money. Okay, now what? Now, now it feels like maybe you shouldn't have mastered all of those caveman skills of like how to build your own house and how to start a fire. I'm taking it to that drastic level of thought. I'm not taking it to that drastic level in terms of reality. I'm still indoors. I'm talking to you over the internet, but I don't know how this stabilizes in this country right now. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. You know, when we, when we hunkered down six months ago, we sat the kids down at, like I said, nine and 12 and said, okay, you guys are going to learn to cook. So every night at the kitchen, we set our internet to be turned off in the house and they come and we, uh, we cook together. And, and I said, look, if mommy or daddy gets sick, nobody's coming into this house to cook dinner for you. So you better figure it out. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a life skill. I definitely agree with you. You know, people should be, um, and, and I think a lot of people have decided to be handier, uh, take on, you know, weekend warrior projects and all of the crafts and have been become a lot more savvy, be it bread baking or pickling or um, in the kitchen or out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there could be some dire situations where people would really just need to know how to fend for themselves on a much more basal um, and survival level. You're still um, living in the same spot kind of near 14th and you, correct? We were there and we were in the U street corridor. And then, um, right at, uh, we moved to 16th street Heights on March 20th. Are so, you serious? Yeah. Right. Well, we could be doing this in my backyard then. I didn't realize you were that close. Oh, well, we should, we could do that. Yeah. I'm not uh, joking. Um, any night after seven thirty PM, you're more than welcome to come over. Uh, my entire life revolves around a one year old's nap schedule. So, and sleep schedule. <laughs> Do not I, consider coming over before them. You are not invited. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I don't I think I don't need that flashback either because no. those those are the tougher days. See, that's the thing. Uh, I feel lucky that I'm in that window during a global pandemic because I can't imagine dealing with a nine and a twelve year old because he doesn't have any real friends. He's got, you know what I mean? Like he, he he's got friends, and I'm using giant air quotes here. But at the, at the end of the day, he doesn't know anybody. <laughs> He's not missing out. There's no school yet. It's fine. He won't remember this. I will, unfortunately. But he gets to avoid all that trauma. Well, from that standpoint, I definitely agree. I mean, I definitely I definitely feel more badly for the kids who are, you know, in their senior year or even in college right mm -hmm. now, which years that really, I felt, at least for me, shaped um, who I am and um, had some of the most, um, you know, significant memories where our kids, you know, kids are resilient anyway, and they're definitely going through a lot right now, but, um, you know, it's still all foundation stuff for them and it hopefully will be a blip on the map. I don't think it's going to be a blip on the map. I'm sorry to bum you out consistently. <laughs> yeah. What happened to that? Um, I mean, look, I think, I think everything will come back around again. I really do. Um, I'm glad. I'm really glad you do. I want you to be right. How are you enjoying the neighborhood? Um, it's great. We um, the timing couldn't have been better when we when we lived in our U Street shoebox. We really didn't have anywhere yeah. to do uh, around you know in the house, and so we would all be crowded around a uh, our our kitchen table, which for perspective is like is literally my daughter's desk 
<laughs> right now in yeah. her room, in her bedroom. Um, and we couldn't, we physically couldn't put four laptop computers on it and have them angled so that we could all wow. each respectively view them. Um, so now we can spread out and they're upstairs and I can, I can be, uh, downstairs and, and have, uh, an audible conversation. How was the move? Were you freaked out? Cause this is a week for those of you that, for those that don't know, DC yeah. essentially shut down Friday the 13th. You move a week later. How, how comfortable were you in that move? Yeah, we were very uncomfortable, but we told the, the we, had, we were, we were renovating this house that I'm sitting in now. And mm -hmm. we told the contractors, you have, um, you have 10 days to finish. We told them that, um, on about the 10th and said, we're moving for real, for real. We're booking the movers and you got to get out like ready or not, here we come. And so they started putting like from, from instead of like three guys on the site, they started putting on like 14 guys on the site. They were like, they did the quick math and read the you know contract and said, Oh, we don't get paid until the job is done. So yeah. if that's for three years from now, um, we're not getting our balance. Um, so, you know, we had a bunch of movers come and then one guy, one of the movers, like, oh, he, he, he was like coughing. And then he's like, are you scared of, are you scared of COVID? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and I was like, well, you probably should be. So we're like, you're off the job. And so we, we yanked him and they replaced him and the, the moving company was super cool. And they had, they brought somebody else in, but we had the place like deep cleaned and we're, I was just running around with sanitizer spray you know yeah. one bit of you know working in a commercial kitchen is there's no sh shortage of quad sanitizer you can spray and everything and then we just kind of like crossed our fingers for two weeks and hoped that you know of all of the contractors and all of the movers and everybody who came through the house before we moved in um that we didn't you know that we didn't get sick mm -hmm. and, and everything was fine it's uh it's so odd that we've been speaking for like 20 minutes and we've only been talking about, uh, we're not only, but we've mostly been talking about stuff related to coronavirus, not even mentioning the entire systematic racism and social unrest. And mess hall was a, a good ally for throughout this entire summer. And that's another thing that I don't think, I, unfortunately I do think a lot of the country will forget, but a lot of people won't forget in the same way of like, uh, oh yeah, our systematic racism, it's always been here. Maybe we should acknowledge it now. Um, how are your kids dealing with that? Um, so they go to, their schools are pretty progressive. Um, so there's been a lot of conversation around it. You know, I, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, they definitely enjoy many privileges, um, but they get reminded of that um, quite often. And, um, you know, I don't know. I think we, we do what we can. Um, my wife bought some books that, you know, we thought would be helpful. Um, we attended, um, things that we thought would be safe for us to attend as a family. Um, we had, a, we've had a lot of conversations at home. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, here we are. And, um, you know, I can't say that we've, that we've been able to really walk a mile in, in anyone's shoes, um, throughout, any of this, um, you know, I think we, I think we're, we try and be responsible. We do what we can. Um, mess hall is, mo you know, our members are the vast majority of our members are either, um, minority owned businesses or women owned businesses or minority women owned businesses. Um, it's about 90%, uh, I think 87%. So I'm not exaggerating, but, 
um, at last count. And, um, and yeah, I mean, we definitely, um, you know, did all the things that our, I think, um, fellow restaurateurs were doing to the extent possible where kind of like donated, um, some, uh, you know, donated refrigeration space or resources to help produce food at no charge and stuff like that. Um, nothing that, you know, that I would really run around touting because it's just like, it's just the right, it's the right thing to do. Everyone should and has been doing it. Um, but, you know, I think that, I think some of this kind of, this ethos kind of comes back to what I am a little bit fearful of, um, which goes back to one of your other questions about where is hospitality or where is food going? And I do fear that there will be a greater divide of the haves and the have nots. So as experiences become much smaller, uh, you know, there's less of a supply and then that will just jack up the, the price for these types of, for, for experiences or dining experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can only have half the people, in your dining room, then you probably have to raise your prices. And yeah. I think longer term, um, I think we'll see a, a greater divide. And, um, and that's something that I've been giving a lot of thought to. How do we um, create opportunities for businesses to survive and to provide um, a consumer with something that's still affordable and how to be, how can businesses afford to be, profitable and still um, satisfy a large diverse base without being overly um, uh, exclusive. There's a lot of things I want to talk to you about off mic. Um, and I'm going to do that if that's okay with you. But so let's close this with some positive local ish stuff. You're new to the, you're newish to the neighborhood. Um, what's a restaurant or something that you've uh, discovered during your COVID year that you want to champion? Ooh, um, that's in the neighborhood here. Anywhere that's delivering to you. Anywhere that's delivering to us. We have not. Had any <laughs> Anywhere that you've walked and you've seen with your eyes and you're like, that's cool. I like that. And you didn't know about it before. I mean, we have very little in the neighborhood. We frequent the farmer's market. Fresh farm market has a, um, has a, uh, a, a, um, uh, farmer's market that's right on, where Colorado meets Kennedy street mm -hmm. um, and 14th right there. And so we love going to that every weekend and, you know, you can find uh, local farmers and bakers, uh, right. Proper sets up there as well. We bought all of our plants, made a garden. Um, so that place is, is dear to us. Um, and then there's a little, um, a little bodega, um, a little Latin bodega. That's um, that I don't know the name of it's on 14th street, but, uh, but we go all there all the time. Or, uh, or like little uh, ethnic foods and stuff. Fourteenth and what? Because now I want to go there. Uh, so it's 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 also right between Kennedy um, and Longfellow. Perfect. And it's near across the gym right there. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah. 